We are in week four of this series, which is called Living on a Prayer. And as I said, I made that up completely. It didn't come from anywhere else. And we have been talking each week about prayer. And we've been talking each week about different parts of prayer. We started with the template and how Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. And you often hear, especially if you do sports or something or in church services, you'll hear the Lord's Prayer. Uh, He's not saying you have to pray that way all the time. But he's saying, this is how you pray. This is what it means to pray. You talk to Jesus. You talk to him and say, hey, I need help with this. Please forgive me for this. Uh, help me through this time. Uh, all of these types of things, like meet my needs. You can even pray for your wants, but again, he's not a genie. So you're not praying for like, please give me a new car or pay off my loans or whatever. Uh, but you can pray for help and then you continue to do things. And we talked about that. And we talked about the fact that it's about real talk. It's about actually talking to him. Um, if you have a best friend or somebody that you trust, somebody that you care about a lot, uh, you probably go to them when bad things happen and you're like, man, this really sucks. And I got to tell you about this. Uh, or you go to them when good things happen and and you're like, Hey, this was awesome. And I want to share this with you. And that's what Jesus is for us. You can talk to him about literally anything, things that you're afraid to tell anyone else, things that have hurt you, things that, uh, you want to happen in life, but you just don't know how to put it into words. You can share that with him. And that's called just having a real talk with him. It's just building that relationship. And the more you talk to him, the closer you feel to him. And the closer you feel to him, the more you realize he's always with you. And the more you realize he's always with you, uh, it's not that it makes your life easy, but it makes you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. He's with me. And we talked last week about a big prayer. And sometimes, a lot of the times, we kind of limit God in our prayers. Like we'll pray for help on a test, which is fine. Uh, Or we'll pray for help with a driving test, or we'll pray for making the team, or we'll pray for whatever. Like, and these are important things. These are good things. But we can also pray for huge things, for our dreams to come true, for us to to have this chance that we've never had before. And we talked about uh, Joshua and how he prayed literally for the sun to stand still, and it happened. Now, I get that astronomically, it probably didn't stand still in terms of how we'd picture it. The earth probably stood still, or whatever time froze, however it worked. God did it. And it's not that everything you pray for is immediately going to happen. And we'll talk about that next week, actually. But... It's the fact that you have this ability to not limit yourself and to dream big and then to pray big. This week, we're going to talk about what it means uh, when we need forgiveness. And so what it means to forgive other people and what it means to go through something that just has been a really hard time and just needing to share that with God. And so uh, I'm going to read from Psalm 51. And before I read this, we've talked before about David. And so this is the prayer, Psalms, as I've said before, is basically David's prayer journal. And so this is the prayer that David offered up after he got caught. And so David saw Bathsheba, uh, had an affair with her. Uh, she got pregnant. He had, he lied about it. He tried to trick her husband who was fighting for him in, uh, in the army uh, and then had him killed, literally had him take the note back to the, the commander that got him killed. And then he covered it up and then he got caught. And so he did a lot of bad things. He did more bad things than anyone in this room will ever do, I hope. But he did a lot of bad things. And this is after he got caught, his prayer. Uh, And you'll hear it, and I'm going to read it, which is how you'll hear it. He could have taken this a lot of different ways. And he was by no means perfect, as we've seen. But he was still the king, and he could have said, you know what? I got caught, but whatever. I just won't do it again. Uh, he was broken by this, not in the bad way, like where it destroyed his life, but in the way where he realized how much he'd messed up and how many people had been hurt by what he'd done. Most of the time when we mess up, when we do something bad, when we hurt somebody, we kind of convince ourselves that it only affects us or that it only affects a limited number of people. But 
what we do can affect a lot of people, and what other people do can affect us. And so either way, uh, forgiveness is about understanding that you're not perfect and that other people are not perfect. And we're going to get more into that later. So this is Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. So basically, in here, in this part, he's saying, God, I messed up big. Like, I sinned. I did this. A lot of the times you'll see, especially in politics and in celebrities and in sports, when there's like apologies, they're like, uh, when somebody messes up, like when an athlete does something, like Deshaun Watson is recently, uh, he's a he's the Browns quarterback now, but he's uh, been accused of a lot of things. Occasionally you'll see an athlete or a celebrity or a politician that's accused of a lot of things, and the apologies are often along the lines of, I'm sorry if I offended you, or if what I did hurt you, I'm sorry. And they, you see, when somebody says that to you, at first we're like, oh, they apologize, but it's not an apology. It's saying, hey, this is on you for feeling this way. And sometimes we even do that uh, when we apologize to someone. It's like, hey, you know what? I, these are all my reasons and my justifications, but I'm sorry. And it's like, you know, I had a really bad day, and I was in a rush, and this and that, and somebody hurt my feelings, and so I'm sorry if I hurt you. And we just kind of are getting through it to say it. What David is doing here is what we do when we've messed up, when we've screwed up, when we've hurt someone, when we've hurt ourselves, when we've hurt God. He says, I sinned. Not, man, she was so hot that I just didn't know what to do. Not, man, you know what? I'm the king. I could have done this. He's like, I sinned. I did this. This is on me. I sinned against you, God. And so he's straight up saying it. And that's a real apology. That's what it needs. What's necessary for forgiveness is we have to actually admit that we messed up. Uh, that can be hard for a lot of reasons. Number one is we feel most of the time, I think everybody in here at least, we feel bad when we messed up because we feel embarrassed and we feel humiliated and we feel hurt. Uh, and it's like, well, I messed up, uh, but everybody knows that. And so what do they think of me? They think negative of me. They just, they're only going to remember that. And so we're carrying that. And so it can be really hard to move on from that. Uh, and yet we have to, in order to move on, period, we have to say, okay, I did this. Um, one of the most, one of the best ways to earn respect is to be able to admit that you were wrong. Uh, you'll notice that a lot of times adults, and especially, like I said, politicians, celebrities, athletes, etc., they have a lot of trouble admitting that they are wrong. Um, they will go all around it and say, well, I was wrong because, or this has happened because. And yet, if we can admit that we were wrong, with no other justification, just I was wrong, that's worthy of respect. Like That's strength. That's actual courage. That's something that's amazing. And that's what David is doing here. Now, David is a murderer and a liar and adulterer, so he is not a perfect person by any means. But once you've done something wrong, you've done something wrong. Like that, The clock is never going back. There's a phrase that us old people know, and it's called, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So just to explain this, although you've probably heard it, if you have toothpaste in a tube, it comes in a tube, toothpaste, you brush your teeth with it. Uh, if you squeeze the tube and then try to put the toothpaste back in, that's not happening. Now, I challenge you to go do that tonight and try it uh, and tell your parents that Tara told you to. So, um, 
you're not getting it back in. And so once you've done something wrong, you've done something wrong. And it sucks and it hurts and it may hurt of other people. But, but you've done something wrong. So the only way forward is not to pretend that it didn't happen. It's to say, I did it. I messed up. And then to take the consequences, to accept what happened, but then to try not to do it again. And here's the thing. If you picture the best Christian you can think of, the best example of anybody you've ever met in your life, whether it's family, friend, etc., anybody, they have been there. Maybe not the same thing, but they have been there. There's literally no person ever, aside from Jesus, obviously, that has not done something wrong and needed forgiveness. Literally no one. Uh, you can think of pastors. You can think of Billy Graham. You can think of missionaries. You can think of Paul from the Bible. You can think of anyone. They have done something. And so that's important for you to know. You are not alone when you mess up. You are not worthless when you mess up. You mess up. It happens. You just have to learn from it. And understand that you're not perfect and you're going to mess up. Now, I've said this before and I'll say this again. There are people that will take that and be like, oh, I'm going to mess up. So I'm just going to go live my life and do whatever I want. And then at the end of the day, I'll ask for forgiveness. That is a dangerous game. Because A, you don't know how your day is going to end. And B, the longer you put off asking for forgiveness or the more you intend to wrong and then just want to make it up later, the more your heart changes. And so the more your heart changes, the less likely you're going to ask for forgiveness. There are a lot of people who have been like, you know what, when I get out of high school, then I'm really going to get my act together and I'm going to stop doing this. And then, you know, you get out of high school and you're in college, you're like, ah, just when college is done, then I'll worry about this and I'll worry about Jesus and I'll worry about my relationship. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, when I get married, when I really become an adult, and it keeps getting put off and put off and put off, and the more you put it off, the more your heart changes. And so it's not that you can't be forgiven, it's that you stop caring if you can be forgiven. But if you take it like, I am going to mess up, so I'm not perfect, but when I mess up, I can go to him and say, hey, God, I messed up, and he's going to listen. Because if you look through the Bible, we often make the, the characters heroes, and that's right for most of the time. But every single person in the Bible, again, aside from Jesus, has messed up in big ways. Moses is a major hero, and we've talked about him. He's a murderer. David, major hero. He committed adultery, murder, lied. Uh, Peter denied even that he knew Jesus, and he was just up and down all over the place. Paul, murderer. Like all, I guess a lot of people were murderers, but all over the place. And so no one is perfect. And so when you mess up, you have this feeling of, I've let everybody down. They're never going to see me the same. They're going to. And it starts with you admitting that you were wrong. Uh, there are times where maybe you've messed up big and you lose your parents' trust, and that sucks and that hurts, or you've lost somebody else's trust. It takes a while to earn it back, but if you're legit and you actually try, you actually change, you can earn it back. Because everyone here also has been hurt by someone. And if somebody comes to you and they are legit and they're straightforward and they're like, I am really sorry, not like the fake apology, not whatever else, not just to get something, but like really sorry, we forgive them and we allow them to build their trust back. And that's the same for you. Going to the next part. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me and now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a, loyal, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. 
Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. So in the first one, he's saying, I messed up big. I did this. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And in this second passage that I read, he's saying, God, you're the only one that can help me through this. Like, you're the only one that can lift me up. I have to keep going to you. I have to keep growing. I have to keep trying. And you can help me. He's asking for help. Now, it's hard sometimes to, especially if it's a person and not God, to ask for forgiveness and then to ask for help to do better. That's brazen in some ways. But with God, that's what we do. And so David is saying, hey, I screwed up. Only you can help me through this. Only you can help me to restore my joy. Only you can build me up again. And so please help me. And then he goes a step further and says, help me to be a lesson to other people. Um, one of the things you'll find too is sometimes we'll even do that first step. We'll admit that we were wrong and that's hard and that's brave and that's courageous. And then we kind of just pretend it didn't happen. We move on. And if we get forgiven and we move on, then it's good to move on. But if it comes up again, we just kind of run away from it. And that's hard. And the hard part is anytime any of us mess up, there are always going to be people that kind of rejoice in that. And so they want to kind of remind you of that all of the time. Uh, I remember there was a girl in my very first youth group back in Seymour, and she uh, came from a not great place in life. And she did a lot of things that she regretted. She got saved and came to church and just really changed. But there were people that would constantly remind her of what she'd done. And every time she did something good or every time she'd say something, they would be like, yeah, but remember this, blah, blah, blah. And there are going to be people like that. And that sucks. And I wish that I could tell you, if you try and you're like, God, help me through this, that no one else is ever going to try to drag you down, they're going to. Because for the most part, a lot of people feel better about their own lives if they can get you down to their level. So as you get older, like there are going to be a lot of people that try to get you to uh, do bad things, do things that you know are wrong. They try to get you to go to the parties you know you're not, going, you're not supposed to go to. They try to get you to, to do the drugs you're not supposed to do. They try to get you to go out with the people that you shouldn't go out with. They try to get you to do illegal things. They try to get you to sneak out. They try to get you to lie. They try to get you to do all of those things. And it's under the guise of, hey, it's fun, you know, come on, you can be my friend, you can be popular, etc. But what it really means is, somewhere inside, they feel guilty. And so if they get you to drop down to that level, they don't have to feel guilty anymore. Because now everybody is like that. And so if the line for good behavior drops down, then it's easy. And so that's what they do. And so it's that much more important to say to God, hey, help me. Help me when people remind me that I messed up. Help me to, to not remind other people and help me to be an example. And that's what David does here. Last part. Uh, you, do not, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Uh, then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. So he says you do not desire a sacrifice. What that means is, um, a lot of times, if you mess up, whether it's with your parents or a friend or somebody else, and you apologize, uh, you will have to earn back whatever. And sometimes you'll have to give them something or, or whatever. And that's what happens. With God, once you say, I'm sorry and I mean it, that's it. 
Like, he's never going to keep reminding you, and he's not going to punish you uh, any more than, like, the normal consequences happen. But we get into this thing of, man, you know what? I messed up, and I've been forgiven from it, but I'm never going to be able to get this because I messed up this one time. That's not how it works. Like, he's not going to be like, well, i got to shut all these doors now because uh, Seth messed up once when he was 16. Like, no, that's, that's not how it works. Because once you apologize and once you say, God, help me, he helps you. And he doesn't remind you of it, and he doesn't take it away from you or whatever else. He just builds you up, and you have to keep trying. Like I said, there are going to be consequences sometimes, because that's how it works. If uh, Hope murders someone, and you know she just gets really mad, and she's like, oh, I was just hanging out with Ben, and we were just kind of playing games, and we were trying, and he got me so mad, and I accidentally stabbed him. But then I stabbed him like three more times, and it was kind of less of an accident at that point. But I'm so sorry. And she's legitimately sorry. Like, she's like, I can't, she's crying. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I love Ben, and, and it's such a tragedy, and I cannot believe I did this. This is the worst thing ever. And like, she's legit. She's actually crying, and she runs and turns herself in. God will forgive her. Absolutely. She's still going to go to jail. Like, it's still, there are going to be consequences with things that you do. But you are forgiven, and you can keep going forward. It's important, too, to remember that with other people. Um, some of you guys drive, some of you guys don't. I've said this before, I use it again because it's an easy one to use and it makes sense. When you're driving down the highway and you're going 5, 10 miles over the speed limit, whatever you go, uh, and somebody is behind you coming up real fast, and they're going 15 miles over or whatever, and they're coming up behind you, and they're on your butt because there's no time to pass, and they're just on you. You're like, this person's so stupid. Like, they're going so fast. And then, you know, they get past you, and they go on, and then you come up to a truck or something that's going the speed limit. And you're like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. Like, I've got to get past them. They're so stupid. Do you understand how that is? Like, because you're in a hurry then. It's like, well, this is understandable. Like, he's going slower than I am, than I want to. And so I'm justified. The person behind me is never justified. That's how we treat a lot of things. If you hurt someone's feelings, well, it's because you were tired or because you were hurt or because somebody hurt yours or because you had a bad day or because your parents were mean or because you lost your job or because something. And so it's like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm legitimately sorry, but there were reasons. But then if somebody does something to you, it's like, well, it's, not, it's never right to hurt somebody's feelings. And so we have to be willing to forgive also. Now, I said this this morning when I preached, and I'll say this again because it's important. At some point along the lines, we took where Jesus said, hey, forgive everyone, and added, and forget. And it's like, forgive and forget. And so that makes it harder. Because it's like, if somebody hurts you, and like really hurts you, and we're like, well, how can I possibly let them be my best friend anymore? Or how can I possibly hang out with them anymore? Why should I have to forgive and forget and just act like nothing happened? You don't. Forgiving does not mean that you let them off the hook. It does not mean that you're friends. You can cut people out of your life. To be safe, you should. And I've said this again this morning, and I'll say it again now. There are things that are so bad, and I'm talking abuse, I'm talking trauma, I'm talking things that are not supposed to be done. A, it's never your fault. Never your fault. Never. B, you never have to say to them, hey, you're forgiven and it's okay. Now, the forgiving there is for you to be able to let it go and to heal, and that's a process. 
But most of the time, the people that do the worst things, they're not going to ask you. And so we have this image in our head of, man, this person truly hurt me. And they have never asked me for forgiveness. But in order to move on, I have to go and forgive them. No, 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 no. Forgiving means that you let that go in terms of not holding the grudge, not seeing them and being filled with hatred. And that's not for them. That's for you to be able to grow from that. That's for you to be able to begin to heal. Because as long as you're holding on to something, you can't heal from it. Now, that never means that it's okay what they did. Never. Never means that it's okay to be abused. It never means that it's okay to be hurt like that. It never means whether it's emotional, physical, sexual, whatever. None of that is ever okay. And there absolutely should be consequences for it. But you cannot make yourself a prisoner of that forever. And that doesn't mean that, oh man, I've got to forgive them and then immediately be better. You don't. It takes time. And it takes time to heal. And it takes counseling. And it takes prayer. And it takes help. And it takes friends. And it takes all of these things. And the hardest part sometimes is seeing that they don't seem to pay consequences. And so we carry these things. Like, well, I've got to make sure they pay the consequences. Turn them in? Absolutely. Tell people about it? Absolutely. But not in a hateful way, but just be honest. But... We cannot force someone to see that they were wrong. We can't. I wish that we could. All that we can do is do our best. All that we can do is live a forgiving life and understand that by us being able to move on, that ensures that they don't win. It's a hard thing. Forgiveness is a hard thing. David was super in the wrong here. One of the things that I notice we never talk about, and I'm one of the people that talks about it, so it's on me too, we often just kind of have Bathsheba as a side character. And it's like, well, David had an affair with Bathsheba. And, you know, she got pregnant and her husband got killed. And we're just like, well, David, 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 and this is what he did and it's awful and blah, blah, blah. She was a victim in this. I have no idea of the relationship. I have no idea of any of that. But David was the king. He's the most powerful person in the world. Women at that time did not have identity at all. Like they didn't have, nobody cared what they said. Nobody. And so when the king comes and says, hey, I want this woman, she didn't have the ability to say no. And so she was abused, and she was a victim too. And so she had to live with that, with her husband's death, and with her baby's death, and with what had happened to her. And she had to live with it, and that sucks. I have no idea if David ever understood that he had to apologize to her. I think that he did, because I think that he got what he did. I do. I think that he got what he did. I think he was close enough to God that he understood, man, I've hurt her too. But even if he did apologize and she said, I forgive you, however it worked, it never made it okay what he did. It just meant that he was able to heal and be an example and he was able to get saved and he was able to go forward, but there were always going to be consequences for that. And so whether you've done something that you need to ask for forgiveness for or someone's done something to you that you need to forgive, again, it's not about the person being forgiven. It's about being able to move forward and to heal and to be the best you that you can be and to just live the life that you should have. Uh, last story, and then I'll quit, and I told this this morning, and I really like the story. So back in World War II, there was a lady called, named Cory Tinbu. Some of you have probably heard of her. Some of you might not have. Uh, she was, her and her family were Christians, essentially, in, uh, I was going to say in Dutch, in uh, the Netherlands. And this was during Nazi Germany, so Nazis are evil. I, I hope you guys all understand that. And so uh, 
they were hiding Jews uh, from the Nazis so that they wouldn't get taken to the concentration camps. And they would hide them. It's kind of like an underground railroad, basically, at that point over there. And so they're doing that. One of the people they went to church with, another Dutch Christian, turned them in, betrayed them. Imagine that. Imagine that for a second. That someone you know, whether it's a friend or not, somebody that you see in church, somebody that is the same faith as you, betrayed them and turned them in. And he saw that, the, he thought that the Jews deserved what they were getting or whatever his reason was. Maybe he was afraid, maybe whatever. But he turned them in. And so when the Nazis came to arrest them, there were six Jews in the house hiding. A lot of people at that point would have been like, hey, take them and then leave us or whatever. But what they did was go quietly so that they would be safe. And then somebody else came in and got the Jews out and they were safe. They were freed. But Corey and her dad and her sister got taken to prison. Her dad was 84. He died in prison. Then they got taken to a concentration camp. And her and her sister at the concentration camp, her sister died. And so she is eventually released. She's in her late 40s. She's been betrayed, been hurt. Who knows what happened to her in the camp, but it was not good. Immediately when she got home, or wherever she went, she probably didn't go back to her home. Immediately she started a rehab center for Jews that were escaping to try to help still. She could have stopped there and been like, every other person is evil, and what happened to me was evil, and it's not fair, and it was, she'd be right, because it wasn't fair, and it wasn't right. But she said, sometimes, and I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but she's like, when you forgive, you're releasing the prisoner, only to find out that you're the prisoner. And so she lived a life of forgiveness. I guarantee you that no Nazi and the guy that betrayed her ever came and asked for her forgiveness, they didn't care. And she did not go up to them. She didn't become their friend. She didn't say, hey, you know, all's fair. She didn't say that. But she took that pain and turned it into helping more people. And that's what we do. That is the ultimate goal, is to take the pain that we have and heal from it. Please go to counseling. Talk to someone that you trust, that you love. We, the adults are here for a reason. And then build on that to help other people, to share who you are. Because you are worth that. And that's all I got.